Welcome to the Oxford Adult ESL Conversations, hosted by Jamie Adelson Goldstein, co-author of the Oxford Picture Dictionary and series director of Step Forward. In this episode, Jamie is joined by Joy Lehman and Christy Weisenberger, English language teachers at Milwaukee Area Technical College in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Christy currently teaches English in virtual and high-flex environments to community students learning English, as well as to students working toward GED, HSE, and college transfer. In the past, Christy has worked as an English language fellow for the State Department and presented at local and national conferences. Joy works primarily with beginning English learners and is part of Milwaukee Area Technical College's first group of high-flex classes for ELLs. In the past, she has presented on adding rigor to adult ELL classes at national and local conferences, and she was awarded a Fulbright English Teaching Assistantship. In this adult ESL conversation, Jamie, Joy, and Christy discuss the benefits and challenges of teaching HyFlex adult English language classes. Welcome, Joy and Christy. It's such a pleasure to welcome you, our first duo, to an Oxford adult ESL conversation. Thanks. Thank Thanks for having us, Jamie. I always like to start by asking what you love about what you do. So who wants to go first? Joy, you go first. <laughs> the kind of cheesy and obvious answer is, is the students. I just, I love our students. I love that we get to work with people from so many different places with so many different life experiences. I love to learn from them, but also witness the community that builds in one of our classrooms. Uh, it's it's just a special job. And I bet Christy just wants to say ditto. <laughs> I mean, yes, for sure. It is ditto. I do love our students. I love the population of students that we have. And I love that my job has meaning, or at least it is meaningful. It feels meaningful to me. You know, I love just even the possibility of helping people improve their lives. And I think with our students, it feels like even just the little bits that we can do sometimes help them to improve in some way. And, and again, that's just the possibility. It doesn't mean that we are always making changes, but I love having students come back or email or even just hear that they have graduated. We recently had a student graduate from adult high school after doing English, and that just feels meaningful to me. Yeah, I get that completely. And the possibility of impact is wonderful. Absolutely. We know each other from the Lynx ESL Pro project, and that happened in 2015 and 2016. But I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) A while ago. (laughs) (laughs) And that was really about introducing uh, a more intentional approach to the rigor that ESL learners need to cope with the complexity of 21st Mm -hmm. century life. But I think you were in ESL before I met you. I don't think you suddenly arrived in ESL in 2015. So what drew you to adult ESL? And Christy, now you go first because Joy went first last time. For me, before teaching adults, I started out teaching Spanish to kids in middle school and high school. And then I started teaching English abroad. So eventually it brought me back to adult ESL. Teaching English to adults abroad is definitely not the same as teaching adult ESL in in the U.S., but I I loved teaching English so much. And again, you know, it comes back to that working with the students who are learning English. It fit, 
more than Spanish teaching. It just fit me a little bit better because it, it comes back to being meaningful. That's how I ended up and stayed in adult ESL. And Joy, how about you? What siren song did you hear? That <laughs> you to adult ESL? Yeah. Um, so I have kind of the opposite story of Christy. I almost started right with adults. I, I had been working at a university helping the immigration process, so helping students get visas when I decided that really wasn't for me, that wasn't going to be my long-term career. And so I started a master's program without actually having any teaching experience before that. And my first group of students during that practicum was an adult community program. and. I just loved them immediately. I had this beautiful group of students, a student from Togo and a student from Mongolia and all these different places. And they were just so thoughtful and self-motivated and so interested in what we were doing. And I, I think it spoiled me <laughs> as a teacher because I, I like believed every class was like this, that, you know, the students would mm -hmm. always be so genuinely interested in what we were doing and kind of take ownership of the class. They were just so great to work with. Um, and then after that, I went on and I worked with uh, younger learners for a while which was also fun in its own way. But once I got a job at Milwaukee Area Technical College, I was actually working both with high school students and then with adults at the same time. And I had an interesting day where I was teaching the kids in the morning. And I had a student that day tell me, you know, I've never really learned anything in this class. Wow. And then I had uh, another student at the adult student later in the day say, I come just for this class. <laughs> So it was just such a, a, a different experience teaching those two groups of people. And I just have always connected better with adults. It was just uh, a way to share my, my nerdy love of language with people who seemed to find it useful. Well, I can confirm there are a number of nerdy lovers of language listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have these two definitions because not everyone may have a clear understanding of what high flex is versus remote instruction. And I would like the two of you to just let me know if those make sense. Sure. So the idea is that in a hybrid class, students are required to attend at least one in-class session, sometimes twice a week, and that they complete the remainder of their coursework online either asynchronously or synchronously. So they they could be in person once a week, they could be in a Zoom class and they could do asynchronous um, work on a learning management system. That's right. That's right. And in a high flex class, the students can be attending either in person or online or asynchronously. Mm -hmm. So it's up to them which mode they choose and which day they choose that mode. So it isn't necessarily that you're going to have three students that stay on in the online world and six students that come in person and two that are just working asynchronously. They can they can pick and choose from that menu. Would you agree with those things? Exactly. Yep. So with that understanding, how has English language instruction changed for you in the last almost two years? I think it's your turn, Joy. Oh, thanks, Christy. I guess it's changed quite dramatically. Obviously, we went virtual starting in March of 2020. And then for the next year, so fall of 2020 and spring of 2021, we had only virtual classes. So all of our classes went online and we had synchronous virtual meetings with additional work. And then 
this fall semester was the first semester where high flex classes started. And so for most of the classes in our program, there are either virtual only classes or high flex classes offered. So that's kind of, I guess, the background. Did I miss anything, Christy? No, that sounds right. I mean, I think we did start some hybrid classes. We had most of the hours were in person. And then we did have maybe one hour of online work because we were trying to get them into using the the Blackboard technology that we have going into the course management system. I think that's the only addition. But you know, we weren't prepared for online classes, right, Joy? Or at least we didn't feel like we were prepared for them before the pandemic. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it had even come up upper level people at the college had kind of proposed having virtual classes or online classes. Right. And certainly my response was, no, there's no way that could work. <laughs> and then uh, and then we really had no choice and we had to figure it out. I mean, there was that first semester where things were just chaos between March and May of 2020. That was just survival mode. But then we had a little bit more time to plan for, for the next semesters and actually do some work on how to make these virtual classes work. And really, I had to adjust to a lot of things like the fact that I never see my students. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my students keep their cameras off for the majority of the time. So I started having to learn students by their voices so I can pick out who is talking at different times and always keep an eye on my list of students so that you can see who's raising their hands using kind of the virtual hand raising. And mm-hmm. it really has shifted the practice of teaching for me. Yeah. That was just online. Then High Flex is kind of a whole different journey that we've been on over the past few months. And I've mentioned this to Christy before that I I stick to my lesson plans much more than I used to in my fully face-to-face classes. That's so interesting, Joy. Yeah. Partly, I think it was security. It's just that just adjusting to this new way of teaching, I, I just needed to stick to it. But also, I think not seeing students' expressions, like I used to be able to gauge, oh, they obviously need me to spend a little more time on this. Or, oh, this is something that is interesting to students and they're showing me with their faces. So I'm going to veer off and we're going to work on this for a little bit. Not that that never happens, but it's a little harder to pick up on. And so I think those kind of magic moments aren't quite as plentiful as they they once were in a, in a fully um, face-to-face class. That's one big thing. No, that's huge. Yeah, that that's a really good point. I, I've had to plan more. I've learned from Joy, I have to say, of how to plan a little bit better, but there's less interaction because you can't have multiple people talking at the same time without losing a lot of what, what has been said. So that makes it really difficult to have those spontaneous interactions or have multiple students answer at one time with actually being able to understand them. I was in the practice of only having one student with her microphone on at a time because it was hard on my ears and on my brain to hear all of those recorded voices at the same time. And I imagine it's the same for students sometimes. So I've tried to open it up a little bit more to have students talk at the same time, but I find that quite difficult. From my perspective in my training classes, I have found that if you want to have that level of interaction, you have to slow everything down. It's Mm -hmm. been very interesting. The whole timing aspect of teaching has been so different, I think. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then engagement, if I could just add on to that, Jamie, you know, like you said, it's trying to find the balance too, because with some of my students, if I take the time to, to hear from multiple people, it's almost what I wouldn't do in a, you know, in my in-person class, because I wouldn't want to slow it down so much. And I, I want to have as many people engaged at one time, yeah. right? So when I slow it down, depending on how large my class is, then I, I'm afraid of losing students as well, losing that interest level. Again, it depends on the class and the level and so many things. I think it's very multi-level, don't you? Oh, yeah. And the breakout rooms give you that small group work, but to send people off into small groups before they know what it is they're being asked to do, before they have a solid model, all of that is really tricky. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was I was going to say that the instructions piece and making sure students understand what you want them to do, especially if you're sending them into groups, is is so much more challenging. I, most of my students are around level two and three. Mm-hmm. The number of times I've like repeated five times, I want you to take out a notebook. Do you have your notebook out? Because of course, I have no way of, of checking if they actually do. And so if I sit there for two minutes while I while they're writing, and no one's writing anything. <laughs> it's all, I always, yeah, it's, it's always an interesting experience. <laughs> and we keep going. Yeah. So pair and group work is still the foundation of the classes. They're what make it really worthwhile, but it, it is more time consuming and it's harder to make sure that you get to check on everyone well. Definitely. This semester I'm teaching levels four, five, and six mainly. And I was actually going to add on to how ESL teaching has changed too, is by having these online and high flex classes, it's opened up a lot of doors for students to have access to technology, things that we wouldn't have had before. Uh They have to learn the skills, right? Using the course management system, using Google Docs. Holy cow, do we use Google Docs? And then some shared docs. There are some exciting things that you can do with that. But also it does feel like sometimes a lot of my job has changed into tech support. For example, in those breakout rooms, as Joy said, not only are you in the breakout rooms and you can only hear one group at a time or maybe two groups. I know that you weren't technology shy, but this is, it seemed like it's exponential in terms of what you're making use of. Yeah, yeah. And you saw an Instagram post I put where I had like five screens happening. Oh, all the computers. Yeah. I feel like I couldn't do my high flex class if I didn't have multiple screens. And, and actually, Joy and I even finagled some extra screens oh, yeah. that weren't in our <laughs> high flex rooms because they hadn't put them in yet. So I brought in an extra screen. Plus, we Joy and I each have an extra computer. Plus, we have our phones and everything, right? Oh my gosh, yes. This is why I'm really interested in hearing about your experiences because I'm hearing quite a bit that HyFlex is something that certainly adult education and community colleges is moving towards. I, you know, a part of that has to do with the cost of the equipment and, and learner access. So that's a question I have for both of you. Are your students on all on Chromebooks or are they on phones or how are you, how, what kind of access do students have? So. Ideally, they they would all be on Chromebooks, and thankfully, a, a great thing that that MATC has done uh, is made made those available. Um, any student who is registered mm-hmm. for classes can apply for and get a Chromebook. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that they know how to use it right away. And of course, that's an issue. And I do think that even students who sometimes get the Chromebooks will still use their phones for class Mm -hmm. just because they're more comfortable with it. Students really don't want to necessarily uh, navigate a whole new device in order to join their classes. But, you know, most students are on Chromebooks, I hope. Christy, how about for you? It's pretty similar, but there are students who, like Joyce said, prefer to be on their phones or some students have broken their Chromebooks as well, or they're coming to class and they're at an appointment or something like that. So they're on their Or in the car. (laughs) I've had that happen too. Or in the car. Yes, exactly. Had a number of students join class from their cars. For us to better understand how you're working in the HyFlex model, do you want to just give us a a little bit of a portrait of what your classroom looks like? How many people are online? How many people are in person? Is anybody working asynchronously? So I'm kind of trying to picture it now. (laughs) Uh, The college installed this system that they purchased, which includes the camera at the back of the room, kind of towards the ceiling, near the ceiling of the back of the room, and another one at the front of the room. Uh, near the ceiling. And so you can switch between those two cameras uh, so that you can show either the front of the room and the teacher and the the screen, or you can switch it to show the students. And then we also have a a microphone system that's installed in the ceiling, um, which is, I think, a pretty advanced microphone system so that it, it picks up the teacher talking. You don't theoretically don't have to shout (laughs) uh, in order for the students online to hear you. And then it also plays out to the class so that the the students in class can hear the online students and vice versa. So if it's, if it's all working correctly, that's, that's how it's set up. In terms of like the actual makeup of my classes, I have two high flex classes and they're one right after the other and they're almost opposite. So I have one class where I have just a couple students attending in person, and I might have eight or nine online. And then the, the following class, I have about uh, five or six students attending in person consistently, and then maybe one, two, or three online if I'm lucky. The classes can be very different. It just depends on what the students want and what they're, what they're comfortable with. Yeah, and if I can just add to that, so like another difference, which I think is somewhat significant is because I have a high flex class where, um, you know, I have one or two students face to face and like 10 online. So I have my one or two students who are in the class log into a computer so they can also participate in the chat. Or if we're doing breakout rooms that they can have a breakout room if there's only one of them. That makes good sense. Uh, And it can change from one day to another, depending on how many students you have in person. Whoa. It sounds like flexibility is so key in this whole process. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you see as the benefits and drawbacks of this model for you, for your learners, for the field? There are a lot of benefits, and I'm only going to stick with benefits at the moment for a little bit of background. One of the reasons that we started doing the high flex, and it might have been me that pushed it a little bit more that way, the college wanted us to do high flex, but I saw the benefit of high flex because really, to a certain extent, it's a numbers game. If I'm going to be honest, part of it was a numbers game, right? I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. 
many students didn't want to come back to class. And we had found a lot of students who otherwise weren't being served. So for example, students who maybe work late and they don't have time to travel to class park, um, we're at a place where they have to pay for parking. So now they don't have to have that extra expense of paying for parking or taking the bus or taking that time. So we wanted to make sure we could keep those students and we wanted to make sure that we had we had the option for students who needed face-to-face because they didn't have the technology or they didn't have the, you know, the skills to work the technology, or maybe they had too many distractions at home. So we wanted to, we wanted to be able to offer both. So, so I, I feel like access is one thing that that's a huge benefit. And also I feel like my attendance went up a little bit when we did um, at least online, but also you know, so I feel like attendance is a little bit better because then they can attend online if for some reason they can't come. Yeah, I was going to say that flexibility thing. And it's it's not really something that every student takes advantage of, but I definitely have a few students who they really want to attend class. And I have one who has transportation issues and she would love to be face to face, but She just can't be because she doesn't have a ride uh, most days. So most of the time she attends online, but when she can, she'll be face-to-face. And I have another student who sometimes can't get childcare, and when that happens, she'll attend online. But most of the rest of the time, she's face-to-face. And so that's a really wonderful thing for those students to be able to, to just switch back and forth as they need to. I've really appreciated that benefit for our students. So what drawbacks, if any? are there for the high flex model? None. (laughs) There's none. Yeah, of course there's none. It's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting, Joy, that you said you have students who move between the modalities, between the virtual synchronous and the in-person synchronous, because the reality in my high flex classes that I've had so far, which is only two, is that they don't switch modalities. I might have some students who try to do the asynchronous and and watch the video. They have said to me, um, I'm not going to come in person. So I'm going to I'm going to come online, but then they haven't done that. Um, You know, I have a student start in person and then switch to virtual, but not go back and forth. Well, so far, I haven't anyone go back and forth. So I think that's one kind of just reality. Maybe it's not a drawback. The way my class is set up right now, my online students can't really hear my in-person students as they should. So I'll be kind of waiting for an answer and I'll be trying to acknowledge that the in-person students are answering and they're correct while I'm still waiting for an answer and trying to kind of balance the fact that I really want to give attention to those online students and make sure they get to participate. But if I am just ignoring the students who are in front of me and, and, you know, wanting to participate, even technology aside, that can be a little bit hard to manage. It is almost like having two classes at times. Right. The split attention, which, you know, we've struggled with in multi-level classes for forever. And you add technology that maybe isn't working, as Joy just indicated. It sounds hard for everybody. It, it isn't like Patsy Egan says, we can do hard things. but I. I worry that it's wearing on teachers and students. I worry that too. I mean, having sort of a a crisis of confidence because, you know, that the longer I do this, Mm -hmm. it does feel like 
it wears you down a little uh-huh. bit. And a, a part of me is just thinking, I know I can do it now. Like I've kind of made it through that initial shock uh, and I know how the basics work, but I still don't know quite how to do it well. Right. Like that inspiration of like, this is a really creative way to address that. I'm not totally there yet. We had a statewide conference. One group did present on teaching high flex and they had some really great ideas. And so that was really helpful And I think that the longer we do this, that's going to happen more and more, that we are going to get more and more ideas being shared around between teachers. It's just that it's it's not common enough yet for that to be happening on a large scale. When anything new comes into the field, it takes a while for the professional learning aspect to come to the fore and for us to know what what supports we need. I think that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You've given so much information, and I know that people are going to want to jump right into high flex instruction. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that maybe they're not jumping, but they're being pushed. So, what advice would you have for them? Both Joy and I, we took a class, right? So, I would say, like, take a class and practice with the equipment, those two things, and also find someone to practice with or someone to help you, maybe someone who's done it before. There are all sorts of kind of tech tricks. So like Joy and I, we ask each other questions when we're trying to figure things out, right? Or we'll we'll bounce mm-hmm. ideas off of like how how we're working with high flex or what's working and what's not, because it's nice to just have someone you can contact to ask those questions as they come up. Because it's not like you learn high flex and then you're done, right? Once you kind of learn the technology, then you start to do things and then you learn more and then you have to change it, you know? So I feel like taking a class, practicing with the equipment and um, having someone that you can talk to who, who is uh, familiar with high flex really helps a, a lot. It helps me. Uh- I was going to say the exact same thing, you know, first and foremost, be familiar with the technology and don't just look at it, you know, actually practice with it, get someone to go online as a student using whatever online format you use, if it's Zoom or if it's it's Blackboard or whatever it is, so that you actually have to go through the steps of what do I click at this point? What I usually do at this point is ask if there's anything you wish you'd said, but I didn't give you the chance to. So let's start with Christy. There is one thing I wanted to say, just expect things to go wrong, just like with remote teaching, you know, expect things to go wrong, but it's not the end of the world. So if you are starting high flex class, you know, things are going to go wrong. And then you just, um, you just roll with it and and you learn something from it and do something different. That's great. That's a a great add on. And Joy, how about you? Be persistent with dealing with the technology. Don't don't let things go. For some reason, we have four perfectly working high flex rooms and I work in a room where we have had problems the entire semester. It just is not working the way it's supposed to. And I think it's important to try your best to work around it, but also try to advocate and make sure that it gets to be working because this is hard enough as it is. <laughs> don't, don't let it become even harder because uh, the technology isn't working for you. That's great. Persist, definitely problem solve. And, and when all else fails, laugh hysterically. <laughs> That's well, I can't thank the two of you enough for spending the time uh, on this adult ESL conversation. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. It was, it was just 
so lovely to have this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. This this was a lot of fun. We love what you do and want to support you in every step of the way. For more useful resources for supporting your teaching, including sample lessons from Step Forward and the OPD, visit us at www.oup.com slash ELT slash Love Adult ESL. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Oxford Adult ESL Conversations.